Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to finish up Luke chapter 13. Hope you've enjoyed uh, this podcast. I, I hope and pray that you've enjoyed this chapter. It's been very challenging uh, with Jesus talking to the crowd and talking about how death is imminent and they need to repent. Uh, and if they don't repent, they're going to perish just like those people did that were in those accidents. And and then so in the last podcast, we talked about the importance of repentance. And, and if our uh, salvation depends on repentance, then we better know exactly what it means to repent and, 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 and to uh, live a life of repentance. And if you missed those podcasts, uh, by all means, uh, go back and, and listen to, to those two podcasts of Luke 13. But like I said, we're going to jump right on in and finish up this chapter. And uh, in Luke 13, verses 10 through 17, Luke's going to turn his attention to uh, a day when Jesus was in a synagogue and he was teaching. And he says, uh, one Sabbath day as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. And when Jesus saw her, he called over, he called her over and said, dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. And then he touched her and instantly she could stand straight. How, uh, how she praised God, Luke says. But the leader in charge of the synagogue, get this, he was indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. There are six days of the week for working, he said to the crowd. Uh, Come on one of those days to be healed, not on the Sabbath. But the Lord replied, you hypocrites, each of you works on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox or your donkey from its stall on the Sabbath and lead it out for water? This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, has been held in bondage for, by Satan for 18 years. Isn't it right that she be released even on the Sabbath? You know, kind of like your ox or your donkey that you led to water? This woman's worth a whole lot more than, than those animals. I mean, look at the pain she's been going through for 18 years. In verse 17, Luke says, This shamed his enemies, but all the people rejoiced at the wonderful things that Jesus did. And so I just want to ask you a question this, uh, starting this off. Do you know anyone, or maybe you yourself, who lives in chronic pain? I mean, it is absolutely uh, miserable. It is horrible. Um, many years ago, when my... My son's 23, my oldest son's 23, and then he was five at the time. We were sledding on the side of a mountain where we lived in Burnsville, North Carolina, and I was going full speed. We'd been going all over this mountain on tubes and on these round disc sleds, and, and, and we, would, you know, we, we would hit this trail many times that we made, and we would move to a different one, we'd make a new one. And at one point, uh, I said, I want to go down, uh, we're going to go down this trail one more time, and we'll go to another one and make a new one. And what we were doing was we was coming through the woods. And the way uh, the, the, our driveway did, it made a hill. There was a hill. You come down the hill and you go across our driveway and you go back up. And it, so it made like a half pipe. And it was, it was pretty cool. And you could go really fast. Well, I'm coming down the hill and my sled got off course. 
and and before I could put my feet down on the ground to slow myself down, I'm at the bottom of the hill, full speed, hit a tree stump, turn a backwards flip, land face down in the snow, and I blacked out. When I come to, when I hit the ground, I could not feel my legs. From my waist down, I was completely numb. And long story short, uh, I lived off pain pills for over 12 years. Uh, they wanted me to have back surgery, and I said no. And, and, and like I said, I lived off those pain pills just to be able to function on a daily basis for 12 years. I eventually got to a point that I could not even take another step, and I'm not exaggerating. It was it was very painful. It was very hard, especially on, on somebody who's been an athlete uh, their whole life and and after three back surgeries the third one being a fusion it pretty much fixed my problem I still have flare-ups every now and then uh, but for the most part praise God I can function normal and I can function with very little pain but uh, a lot of people in life are not that fortunate and this woman so I, I can I can kind of relate that what she was dealing with. She has been bent over double for 18 years, and she's living in chronic pain. But but get this, she's still coming to church. She's still coming to the synagogue despite her situation, despite her pain. She's still coming and 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 serving God at the synagogue. She's still coming and listening to the law, uh, being taught about God and and how she can live pleasing to God. And on this day, she's going to receive a huge, huge blessing because Jesus is there. He's teaching and he is going to call her out in front of the crowd and he is going to heal her. And by the way, this is no healing service. She wasn't seeking a healing. She was there to worship despite her condition. And there's a great lesson for us in that, uh, for all of us. And Luke says, when Jesus saw her, he called her to uh, he called out to her and told her to come to him. And where's he at? He's in front of the crowd and he's teaching, right? So he's doing this in front of everybody. This woman didn't seek a healing. She wasn't seeking Jesus specifically for a healing. She simply was at the church service because it was it was the Sabbath day and they worship God on the Sabbath day. And so she's there to worship. And so in front of everybody in the synagogue, Jesus heals this woman. And immediately, Luke says, she stood straight up and was pain-free. Now, anytime you say healing in the Bible, you would think people would be so excited. And, and a lot of people were. But there was one person in particular that was not very happy with what just happened. Uh, and, and it was the leader of the synagogue. He complains to Jesus in front of the crowd. that he, Look, he's like, you've had six days of the week to do this, but you choose today. Well, why did Jesus choose this, the Sabbath day? It's because the crowd was gathered in the synagogue. And he saw the lady who was in pain, bent over double. And he knew that he could do something about her situation. And, and, and if you think about it, this guy who's fussing to Jesus, who is God in the flesh, who actually wrote all about the Sabbath, who came up with the Sabbath. He is Lord over the Sabbath. He's the one who is perfect, who has never sinned, who can, who you know, is now being told that he is in sin because of what he has done on the Sabbath day. He's healed this woman on the Sabbath day. He could have done it any other of the six days, just not on the Sabbath day. And so Jesus is going to put this religious leader in his place. And he says, you hypocrites, 
each of you, you work on the Sabbath day. He said, and he just backed him into a corner. He says, don't you untie your ox and your donkey from its stall uh, on the Sabbath day and lead it out for water? Yeah, you do. So you're working. And, 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 and I got to thinking, you know what this guy's problem is? And I can't prove it by the Bible because Luke doesn't say this. But I, I had this suspicion that he was, he, he's probably known this woman for a very long time. She's been in this condition for 18 years. Maybe she's been coming to his synagogue and worshiping all of her life. But maybe he has known this woman for 18 years and he couldn't help her. He couldn't fix her situation. And Jesus shows up and instantly this woman is healed. She is healed. And Luke mentions that this guy was indignant. He was so angry. He was spitting, biting his teeth mad. And, and, and it's probably because of his ego. He, he, he had anger, so deep of anger coming from his embarrassment, in my opinion. He's the leader of the synagogue, Sabbath after Sabbath after Sabbath, on a weekly basis. Perhaps this woman's been coming to worship at, in, in, in his synagogue and her condition, and she's probably asked him week after week after week to pray for her and her condition and that God would heal her. And for 18 years, nothing has happened. And all of a sudden, this guy who's a nomad shows up and he's preaching or teaching in the synagogue. He sees the woman for the first time and instantly, instantly she's healed in front of everybody. And this guy's pride got in the way. This guy's ego got in the way because he was absolutely crushed. And like I said, I can't prove this by the Bible. But I just, I just know men, and I know church leaders, and I know uh, I've been in church work all of my life. I know how people are, and, and 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 how people react to things. And I just love this because I think this guy was mad and angry because of his ego being crushed because he couldn't do anything for this woman. He never could fix her situation. And here's Jesus popping up on the scene, and immediately she is. Healed. Well, let me ask you a question. How many times has someone in your church been blessed and you were indignant, you were angry, you were jealous, or maybe you were filled with envy because you saw this brother or sister in Christ uh, receive a blessing from the Lord and you know, you've been praying for something for a long time and you haven't received anything, but yet they have. And it's easy to let jealousy or that root of bitterness uh, sneak in there and be filled with envy. Uh, Romans 12, verse 15, Paul says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. He says in 1 Corinthians 12, 24 through 26, But God has put the body together. And, and he was talking about the body, the physical body, but he's, he is talking to the church at Corinth and trying to help them with all their, their problems and things that they're dealing with at that church. And there was a lot of them. And he's, he is using the physical body to explain to them how God has put the body of Christ together, the church. And so he says, God has put the body together. This is God's idea. This is God's plan. This is God's doing. Giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division, right, in the body, 
but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Then he says in verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 12, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part of the body rejoices with it. Now, listen to how Luke ends this story with this woman being healed. He says, this shamed his enemies. Talking about Jesus' enemies. But all the people rejoice at the wonderful things he did. The religious leader that was in the synagogue that day was considered an enemy to Jesus, to God. And he was the very one who was supposed to be the example of God. Pointing people to God. And he is considered an enemy to God in the flesh. Talking about Jesus. Why? Because his heart wasn't right. And if we get jealous, if we become full of envy, if we have a root of bitterness that springs up when someone in the church is blessed, a, a, a brother or sister in Christ is blessed, then we better take a moment and we better have a heart checkup because our heart's not right. The rest of the people that were in that synagogue that day was excited for the woman and I hope that you and I hope that I get excited that we get pumped up with our brothers and sisters in Christ when they are blessed by God. If they suffer, we suffer. If, if, if they are honored, then we're honored and we rejoice with them. Don't, be, don't, don't let Satan come in and fill your heart full of, of envy and, and jealousy in bitterness, but rejoice when other people are blessed. Rejoice with them in their blessings. When we come back from break, we're going to finish up Luke chapter 13 by looking at three different parables that Jesus uh, talks about. We'll be right back. This is Bruce Stott, one of the elders at Partnership Christian Church, and I want to invite you and your family to worship with us this coming Sunday. Check us out on Facebook or YouTube for service times and directions. Thanks for listening to Grind It Podcast. Keep grinding. So Luke is going to end chapter 13 by giving some parables that were told by Jesus. And those three parables are the mustard seed, the yeast, and a narrow door. And uh, it, so we're going to first break down the mustard seed. In verses 20 and 21, Jesus said, What is the kingdom of God like? How can I illustrate it? It is, a, it is like a tiny mustard seed that a man planted in the garden. It grows and becomes a tree, and the birds make nests in its branches. So the goal of Jesus by giving these two first two parables is to show people, give them an illustration, things that they could see in their mind when he begins to speak about, like this mustard seed. They know what a mustard seed is. They know what the tree looks like that had been planted or that came from that mustard seed. And so he's trying to explain to them what the kingdom of God is like and what it looks like. And so he uses a mustard seed. Now, I, I, I have a, a jar of mustard seed, uh, but it's in storage and, and I couldn't dig them out. But they're very, very small. It's about the size of a BB from a BB gun. Uh, they're actually smaller than a BB. And it, when it's planted, it, it, it grows into this huge tree that provides shelter and becomes a home for the birds. They're able to, to build their nests in, in those trees and take shelter. In the other Gospels, uh, the mustard seed is referred to as the smallest of seeds, and yet it grows bigger than anything that's planted. Uh, and, and I thought about the message that Jesus told his disciples 
when he told him to go into the village uh, to preach, and he said the kingdom of God is here. That is the message that they were to go and tell people when they go into these villages and they go into these towns. Jesus said, you tell them the kingdom of God is here. When you think about John the baptizer and his message, his message was not only a message of repentance, but his message was the kingdom of God is here. The Messiah is here. It's God in the flesh. He's here. God has been silent for over 400 years, but now God has shown up. He has spoken to us in these times through his son and he yearns for people to understand what the kingdom of god is all about and so he's going to the synagogues and he's teaching he's he's healing people and 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 he's being the example of god that the religious leaders failed to be and he wants the people to know what god is truly all about and what god is truly like and that he is more than a, a, a God of rules and regulations. That he is a God who desires a relationship with people. Come and find rest in him and to make their home with him. And I love Psalm 46 and, and uh, what the psalmist says. In 46, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes comes and mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders. And the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come, see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He calls his wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. Get this. The God of Israel is our fortress. No matter what's going on around us, the psalmist says, God is our fortress. He is a place of refuge. Just like Jesus said about those birds and how they, uh, they come to the mustard seed that has grown into this huge tree and they, they make their nest in it. And, and, and that is the kingdom of God. It's a place where God resides. It's a place that is filled with grace and mercy and love and compassion. It's a place of refuge for those who need rest, for those who are dealing with all kinds of chaos in their lives. And we all are. We all are dealing with a bunch of mess that is going on in our lives today. But God says, I am a place of rest. I am your refuge. Come on in and make a nest in my branches. Like the mustard seed, you know, it's so small and it may seem insignificant to a lot of people, but to a, a many other people, it is home. It is a place of peace. It is a place of comfort. But, but I want to point something out to you uh, about this mustard seed. Look what had to happen in order for that tree to, to be there for the birds to build a nest in. Because someone had to take that mustard seed that, that was insignificant and small and, and, and plant that mustard seed. 
That's what Jesus said. It is a tiny mustard seed that a man planted in a garden. It grows and becomes a tree. If a seed isn't planted, it's of no use. And that's what Paul says in Romans 10, 8 through 15. He says, and the message is very... And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by the believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, Paul says. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how can anyone, or how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. How can people hear about Jesus if you and I don't tell them about Jesus? It's not somebody else's job. It's your job. It's my job. We plant and we water. That is the task that God has given us. God brings the increase. But if we're not planting the seed, then we're just watering dirt and we're not going to get results. If we plant seed but don't water it, the seed will never germinate and grow into that big old beautiful healthy tree for the birds to come and make nests in. So don't wait for somebody to do your job. Tell people about the kingdom of God. Tell people about Jesus. Tell people about the hope that you have in Jesus and, and, and what he has done on the cross and how he, he gave his, his life for the price and the penalty for our sin and how he come out of that tomb victorious and now that we can have life eternally everlasting with jesus in heaven people need peace jesus is the prince of peace they can't have peace without jesus they can't know about jesus unless we tell them about jesus they need the same rest that you have but they can't have true rest without jesus and think about this. You may be the only person that can tell them about Jesus and get through to them that they will listen to. Think about that. As we move on to the parable of the yeast. In verse 20, uh, Luke says, He also asked, What else is the kingdom of God like? So again, he's trying to get, get them to, to visualize the kingdom of God. Heaven. The church. It's like the yeast of a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I, I've never made bread in my life. I do cook a lot, but I've never made bread. But I do know enough about making bread that when you put yeast in the dough, it permeates through the whole bit of dough. And what yeast does, it causes that dough, when it's baked, to rise. And so, uh, again, we see uh, like the, the uh, mustard seed is put in the ground and it grew into a tree. Now we see yeast that is being put into the dough and yeast causes the dough to rise. In both of these parables about the kingdom of God, we see one common factor. And that common factor is growth. Um, 
But there's also a second common factor in these parables that Jesus is telling in order for the people to visualize the kingdom of God. And that, that, that second one is a catalyst. A catalyst is a substance that causes a chemical reaction to happen more quickly. It's, a, a catalyst is a person or event that quickly causes change or action. In the first parable with a mustard seed, a farmer had to plant the seed, right? He had to plant it in the ground and, and, and then it would grow into the tree. Without the farmer planting the seed, it's just sitting in a bag and it's not going to grow. It's, not, it's, it's worthless. With the bread, the yeast acted as the catalyst to get the bread to rise. And so what I want to challenge you with is to be a catalyst. Don't wait for someone to do your job. You do it. I hear people all the time. They'll, 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 they say the thing, they say, I've even said it myself, but I hear people, they'll tell me all the time, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. I wish I could make a difference in this situation. I, I, I wish I could help God's kingdom to grow. I, I wish I could go do some mission work. Uh, I, I wish I could go to Africa. I wish I could uh, go to a third world country somewhere and really make a difference. Well, you know, that that's fine that you have those good intentions. But uh, I just heard the other day somebody say the, the, the road to hell is paid with good intentions. Intentions are great, but if we never act upon them, they're useless. And that's what I'm saying. We have to be a catalyst. We don't, we don't need to wait for somebody else to be doing our job. If we see a need, if we know of a need, we need to go meet that need in the name of Jesus and tell people why we are... Uh, while we're doing what we're doing, we're being a catalyst for Jesus. We're not waiting around for somebody else to do what we should be doing. We are acting on our faith like James tells us to do because we don't want our faith to be dead. In uh, Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, Jesus is talking to his disciples right before he's going to ascend into heaven to be with the Father. And, and he says, uh, uh, Luke writes in chapter 1, Acts 1, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore the kingdom uh, you know, back to, to the Jews? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They're not for you to know, but you, here's what you need to focus on, guys. It, this is what he's telling them. If you, are, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you're going to be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the utter ends of the earth. And here's why. Here's the reason why I bring this up. It's because we want to make a difference. And, you know, and, and yes, it's good that we want to go and do mission work in, you know, in a foreign country. I went to Mexico in 1994. Yeah, I know I'm old. But I went to old, uh, way 8,000 feet up in the Sierra Madre Mountains in uh, Galeana, Nuevo Leon, old Mexico. And did mission work when I was 19 years old, and it changed my life. It's a good thing to do mission work. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but you know what, guys? It's, Jesus is telling his disciples. He said, "This is going to happen, and you're going to be on fire for me, and you're going to you're you're going to build the kingdom of God, and you're going to be in charge of the kingdom of God, and you're going to go to the ends of the earth, and you're going to go to Samaria, and you're going to go throughout Judea." But guys, here's what you need to focus on, and that's what's around you in Jerusalem. And when we, and you can go back and, and listen to the podcast because I uh, actually went through the book of Acts in, in, in quite a, a bit of detail. But when the church started in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, 
And Peter preached that first sermon, and about 3,000 people were baptized for the remission of their sins and filled with the Holy Spirit. They were added to the, to the church, the kingdom of God. It started on that day, and it's been going ever since. But when you study the book of Acts, you will see that they preached to the Jews only for a long time, and that the church stayed right there in Jerusalem up until Acts chapter 8 when persecution got so bad that it was like God kicking an anthill and the ants scattering out everywhere. The church, because of persecution, just dispersed and started going to other places in Judea, in Samaria. And, and it's still going around the world today, 2,000 years later. And so my whole point is to be a catalyst. Don't wait for somebody to do what you ought to be doing. If you see a need... You know, your 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 neighbor just down the road or across the street may need their gutters cleaned out, or may need uh, 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 their yard mowed, or their their uh, leaves raked, or maybe a neighbor on down the road is sick, and you know they're sick, and you you can cook some soup and and carry them some soup. There there's there's so many things that we can do right here in our Jerusalem, right outside our front door. We don't have to go to a, a foreign nation to a third world country to make a difference for the kingdom of God. We can do it right here where we're at. We can do it at work. We can we, we know all kinds of people at work. And they will if we just listen, they will tell us their needs and all we have to do is meet their need. And when we meet their need, we tell them why we are meeting their needs is because we serve Jesus and we want them to know Jesus. It's really that simple. And the last um the last uh, thing that Luke talks about, the last parable, he talks about, uh, he talks about Jesus sharing the, uh, the story of the narrow door. And it says, Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he went, always pressing on toward Jerusalem. And someone asked him, Lord, will only a few be saved? And he, he replied, work hard to enter the narrow door to God's kingdom, for many will try to enter, but will fail. And when the master of the house has locked the door, it will be too late. He will stand outside knocking and pleading, Lord, open the door for us. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you came from. And then you will say, but we ate and we drank with you and we taught in our streets. And, and he will reply, I tell you, I don't know where you come from. Get away from me, all you who do evil. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for you will see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. But you will be thrown out. And people will come from all over the world, from the east and the west, the north and the south, to take their places in the kingdom of God. And note this. Some who seem least important now will be the greatest then. And some who are the greatest now will be least important then. So a question is asked to Jesus. He says, they say, Lord, will only a few be saved? And Jesus goes out into this uh, drawn out answer. And he gives this picture of these people who thought they were walking or were in good standing with the master. But they were outside and the master closes the door of the house and locks the door. And these people are looking in the window. And according to Jesus, the house is the kingdom of God. And they're looking through these windows and they're seeing all these people like Abraham. All these people, these heroes of faith that we call them. And they're on the outside looking in and they realize that they've been locked out and they have missed the kingdom of God. So they begin beating on the door of the house and, and on these windows and they're saying, let us in, let us in. And, and the master says, sorry, it's too late. I don't know you. I don't know who you are. It, 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 and and uh, I, I don't know where you come from. And, and, and 
and he says, get away from me, all you who do evil. And, and it, the bottom line is this. It's all about the heart. It's all about repentance. And that's what Jesus has been saying in chapter 13. He said the, he started out by giving those examples of the people who died in the temple when they were given their sacrifice and Pilate had them murdered. And then he gives the example of the tower of Siloam that fell and killed 18 people. And he says, do you think they were worse sinners, uh, the worst sinners in Jerusalem? He says, no. And he says, but unless you repent, you're going to perish too, just like these people did. In other words, death is imminent. And, 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 and he talks about repentance. And, and repentance is a change of heart. It's a change of attitude. It's a change of direction. It, it, it's saying exactly what Jesus said. I don't, I, I don't want to live for myself anymore. I, I, don't want to, I, I don't want to please my flesh. I want to be pleasing to God. And, and in order to do that, Jesus says we have to die to ourselves. We have to take up our cross and follow him. And when we do that, when we're baptized for the remission of our sins, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we, we have help. We have a comforter, the Holy Spirit. And he will lead us and guide us into all truth. Jesus is here to help us, not to hurt us. God is not here zapping us when we do wrong. He has given us a free will. He has given us a choice. And we can either choose to live for him or we can choose to live for ourselves. But if we choose to live for ourselves, there is a price to pay. And one day, the master's going to shut the door to the kingdom, and he's going to lock the door, and there's, there's, no gonna be, there's not going to be any second chances. And people are going to be begging and beating on the door, saying, let us in. Didn't we walk with you? No, you didn't walk with us. You didn't walk with me, Jesus says. You might have walked with me for maybe at some point in time, but kind of like those people... When Jesus fed the 5,000 and they followed Jesus around trying to make him a king. And Jesus just point blank told them in John 6, he said, you're following me because you liked the fish. You liked the bread. It was the best you ever tasted. Your bellies were full and you're following me around because you liked the food. He said, but if you want to get down to the nitty gritty, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And he was referring to what's about to happen on the cross. We, we do it at my, the church I attend on, a week, uh, on Sundays. We, we, we do this on a weekly basis. We take communion. We take the Lord's Supper. We, we uh, take the bread as Christ's body, and we take the cup as the blood that Jesus shed for our sins. And we remember the Lord's death and what he, the price he has paid for us on Calvary's cross. But these people in John 6, verse 66 of all numbers of a verse, John says that these people turned and left Jesus. They, they, you talk about change of heart and direction. They turned, they had God right there in their very faces. They could reach out and touch him and shake his hand. And they turned from Jesus and walk away. And they said, this dude's nuts. There is no way I'm following this guy anymore. And Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, you're going to walk away too? And Peter says, why would we walk away? You, you're, you're the, you have the words to eternal life. And so Jesus gives us the same opportunity today. We can either turn and follow him or we can turn and walk away from him. What's the choice? You, you're making a choice right now as you hear the sound of my voice. You're either choosing to live your own life or you're choosing to live his life. And if you're choosing your own life and you die that way, you're going to be on the outside looking in, begging 
for a second chance. And God's not going to give you the second chance. He's going to say, it's too late. Don't find yourself in that situation. Give your life to Jesus Christ today. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. And if you want to know how to do that, email me here at thegroundedpodcast at gmail.com and I will be glad to uh, show you how you can be saved today. I can, if, if you don't live anywhere around me, I can uh, find out where you live and I can find someone in your area that will help you know the way of salvation, know what it truly means to repent. They can explain all this to you. It's very simple because Jesus has paid it all on the cross. And when he come out of that tomb victorious on the third day, he gives us life. And all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is a promise from the word of God. It's your choice today to reject Jesus or to follow Jesus. I pray that you choose to follow Jesus. And if you have made that decision and you're following Jesus, be a catalyst, man. Be a catalyst and tell people about Jesus, about the hope that you have and what Jesus has done in, how, in your life and how he's changed your life and give them the same opportunity that you have to be saved. God bless you. Thanks for listening. You have a great and wonderful day and keep grinding. Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.